So today is part of a series called uh, One Thing in Common, where we get in different people, different backgrounds, different stories, but we have one thing in common, which is their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're delighted to welcome Jay Mariner today. Um, He's going to be speaking to us, explaining a bit of the Bible and the Christian message a bit later. But first of all, he's going to come up and share a bit of his story. Uh, Normally we do this as an interview, but we thought it's probably best today, just hand over to him, uh, rather than me interrupting him all the time. So for the next 20 minutes or so, uh, thank you, Jay, very much for being with us. He's going to share his own experience of coming to faith in Christ. Thank you. Can I um, say thank you for having me? Um, I was was really aware as I was coming there, Marcus is standing um, up here, and on the front of that service sheet, it's got one thing in common and to be honest, um, as we were singing, I said, praise God, why? Because, to be honest, for my background, I probably wouldn't have nothing in common with most of you or not all of you. But it's only because of this person called Jesus Christ that I'm here and we're united at this thing called the church. And I thank God for that. So I say that because sometimes, you know, when you stand and you do things and you think to yourself, like, I just can't believe I'm doing this. Um, I feel a bit like that today, really, because my background starts um, like this. So I'm a twin. Is there any other twins in here? Yes. I've got a twin. Boy, girl, brother, sister? A boy? Older, younger? Pardon? (laughs) He's younger than me. Very important. Um, I have a twin brother called uh, Kevin, and and both of us were found in a... We was found abandoned in a flat when we was one years of age. Um, the landlord, um, South London, New Cross, had two babies crying in the corner, busted the door down, and there we was. Um, and we went into uh, a foster home um, straight away, young babies. And this family, which we grew up in, we were called the Mariner family. Um, young children from different backgrounds and we all shared the same story, really, was um, broken lives. So I, I, I never knew my dad, I never knew my family. So I grew up in a foster family, and those kids from different backgrounds, um, some abused physically, sexually, um, some have done uh, crimes, and all sorts of stuff going on. And in that family home, um, I, I, I learned um, I, I things which, yeah, as a young child, you shouldn't. So I remember Winston, my foster brother, he took me upstairs and he pulled up the mattress and he showed me like a rack of knives underneath the bed, like to show me that he's weapons and stuff. So in my primary school, I was, I was, I was naughty in my primary school. When I was younger, I used to get the cane. You thought some of you missed that. Anyone get the cane when they was younger? No, it's just me. It's just me. I got a cane when I was young. I used to run to the headmaster's office, get in front of him, and I sort of stubbed my pockets of all kids' sweets, what had been nicked early on from the teachers. My secondary school, um, I, I didn't learn anything. So at my secondary school, I was with my twin brother Kev in the class and, and Dave and Grant, and they kicked me out to WX. But when I was in my secondary school... I was absolutely chaos all the time. And I, I burnt down my science lab. One afternoon, I thought I was with Patrick, we was mucking around. I thought, I said, Patrick, why don't, we, why, don't we, why don't we burn it down? And we burned it down. And they got my mum at the school. And they said, like, this boy is chaotic. He's out of control. 
And part of that, I was just angry part of me growing up. Why? I wanted to know my mum. I wanted to meet my dad. I kept saying to myself, I looked out the window, it shouldn't be like this. Why am I the one who's been found in a flat? Everyone else in the class, they know their mum and dad. They know their family, they know where they come from. I don't. At that time, he's trying to work out identity in, uh, in the UK. Why? It's race tensions, national front, there's no black in the Union Jack. We're trying to work, what does it mean to be black and in the UK and work out this thing called life? So he's going through that. Um, I got in, uh, it's about 1987 time, it was a rave scene. So here's us, we're just fighting the skinheads and the skinheads are fighting us. And all of a sudden, a rave scene come along. Um, ecstasy and pills and puff, and it broke down barriers. So I say this, why did National Front change their name? Why? Because all them boys grew their hair long, and they was raving in the field with us black boys. At that time, I was in a rave, um, after I got chucked out of school, because um, just for the rave scene, I was chucked out of school, and I had left school with one qualification. What qualification do you think I left with? Give me some. What do you think I left with? One qualification I left with. Pardon? Not PE. I was good at, I was good at football running, not PE. Give me something else. What do you think I left with? Trading. Pardon? Trading. Oh, I wish I was. wish it was trading. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your confidence in me. <laughs> I love that. Something else. What do you think I left with? Computing. I left with... The only teacher that liked me in that school was my pottery teacher. I left with a D in pottery. <laughs> A D. And we're walking home down the alley with this pot thinking, my mum's going to kill me. And she killed me. I've been working in the building, so like I said, in rave scene. I was on, this, I was on the field one um, morning. We was raving about, I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40,000 people on the field. Ran at M25. It was so big, we used to park our cars on the inside, inside lane in the first lane at M25, shut it off. Walk across the field, big fun fair out, massive rave, everyone's raving. I was in this rave and someone walked past me with a bucket of pills and a bucket of puff going, pills, puff, pills, puff. I looked at that bucket and I thought to myself, it's money to be made. I went uh, selling drugs um, for, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 years or so, uh, 10 years, 10, 11 years uh, making money. I was in a club called the Ministry of Sound one evening with, um, with five of my friends. I had 80 ecstasy, pocket, uh, 80 ecstasy pills in that pocket, about uh, £1,000 in that pocket. My friend went out the club, Dave Carr. I was just about to go home. I said, my boy's right, it's tired. Like, come on, it's six in the morning, I'm going home. Made my money, drugs here. Just about to walk out the club. All of a sudden, I felt my arms go up. In the air, and I had a bouncer each side, and they walked me to the back of the club, and they took me outside to get out your drugs. I ain't got no drugs. Get out your drugs. I ain't got no drugs. They gave me a slap, pulled my drugs out, but what they used to do, bouncers, they used to take your drugs, chuck you out of the club, and sell them myself, the Lord of Land. They took your drugs, they sold them, and they chucked you out. But at this time, there was a high-profile um, case, Leah Bet, the first high-profile um, case of someone dying of drugs, and it's a time when I got arrested. I got uh, a lawyer coming in, and he, uh, he came in, I got bail. He said, Joe, you're going to go jail on this. I was like, what? He said, you're going to go jail. 
got bail six months later um, in a London Crown Court, got four years. I mean, the first day um, in Belmarsh going through is a thing called a pen. You wouldn't know the pen. It's like a metal cage in Belmarsh, plastic all side, outside, and you get processed for it. There's someone laying in the corner to come down off meths, food everywhere. It's really dirty. And I looked up and I thought, I've got four years of this. And I wasn't even going to go call. I said to my wife and everyone, boys, I'm, going, I'm on a plane. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to Spain. I'm going to put my head down and, and try and jib out the back door of the UK somewhere like all the boys do. But you can't come back. You can't get a bank account. can't get a mortgage and they come and find you anyway, Interpol. Four and a half years. I was a year into my sentence. And I remember the day. It was a Sunday afternoon, funny enough. The sun was shining. I looked out the Belmarsh wall. I lifted my fingers up and I said, if there's a God out there, and I said these words vocally, I said, if there's a God out there, I said, you owe me. I said, you owe me. Why? I said, because I am a good, honest drug dealer. (laughs) Honest. I said, I've never broken into no one's ass. I give my uh, seat up to uh, ladies on a bus. I wear my poppy on poppy day. And I'm a good person. So I was really, really angry. I'm four years. I was selling drugs inside. Went to a DCAT, chucked me back in Belmar. Got out. Got involved in this thing called importation. So bringing in like keys of uh, drugs into the UK. Up through, up to the uh, um, Cumbia. Up through, through Spain, through Europe across the channel, all the boys waiting on the beach, coats on, really cold, keys coming through in the van, shipping around London. I made a lot of money um, in doing that, um, selling drugs on the street, um, made money, lost money. I was doing a lot of cocaine at this point, and my wife, who I'd known all this journey, um, my wife Julie, so all this journey I'm saying this, I've got a girlfriend called Julie who we went to school with, She's seen all this, two children, Jay's doing loads of drugs, making money, lost money. She's fed up with him. She goes to a small church, um, an FIEC, a small Bible teaching church, comes back and says, Jay, I believe in Jesus, I've been saved. I look at her and say to her, do me a favour, don't bring that white man's religion into my house. All that religion has done is enslave our people. Don't bring it into my house. I went absolutely mad. I never hit my wife. I was trying to intimidate her. I, got, I ripped off the, all the cupboards in the kitchen, snapped the door in half, smashed up half the bottle out in my house. I was coming down off drugs. I was drinking. I was angry. Christianity. Christianity is one of the one things is that I didn't want anything to do with nor my children. About a week later, I'm sitting there, got my cocaine there, I've got my Stella there, I'm just the watch, about to watch EastEnders. <laughs> EastEnders, we know. It's a knock on my door. My wife invites a pastor in of the church, which she's going to in two months. He comes in, switches my EastEnders off the TV and sits down. You never touch a man's EastEnders. <laughs> Turned it off. 
he started telling me about Jesus Christ. And I said to him, do me a favour, fella. <laughs> You're either going to leave my house now, or I'm going to fold you up on my floor, and I'm going to post you for my letterbox. Telling me about Jesus. He carried on telling me about Jesus. I thought to myself, this person is either really stupid, stupid, because it's my house, I can bust them up in my house and post them through my letterbox. He didn't leave. I thought, is I really stupid? Or, knowing my luck, this parser is something like a black belt in karate. <laughs> and I've got to go back and tell all my boys and been beaten up by this pastor. <laughs> Lo and behold, my wife's on the stairs. He leaves. That week, she comes back and says, Jay, just let you know, and just be mindful, two children upstairs asleep. Um, I can't um, have a physical relationship with you again because I love Jesus. <coughs> what? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Sunday morning. Just coming in from the boys. Sunday morning, like, no physical relationship. So what do you do? I was angry. Can't force my wife. Like, About t- three weeks later, there's another knock on the door. And all of a sudden, <laughs> open my door. And he's not just a pastor about seven Christians scurried across my trainers and sat in my front room. And that is a word I want to use, scurried. <laughs> sat down. And I was in this front room, squashed in. Because I was thinking to myself, mate, what's going on here? I opened up the Bible and I was in the book of Romans. And we was looking at the book of Romans. And I always remember it. Like, I don't know about the Bible. I didn't know anything about it. And it's in the Romans, the Bible, uh, Romans, uh, 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 Romans uh, 3, uh, 23, and it, said, uh, it says this, um, in this wonderful book of Romans, uh, let me find it, I was reading it, I turned up over it, and it said like, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and I was reading it, and a pastor was explaining it, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and he's tracking through, and he's at... Um, we went to Romans 6.23, um, he was landing in. And here in 6.23, it says in Romans 6.23, let me find it, uh, da, 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 let me move through, and he read these words, it says, For the ways of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this pastor was explaining what this means for all the sin. Jay, you're a drug dealer, you've blown it for all the sin. We all fall short of God's glory, but guess what? It's a free gift. Let me explain about this gift here. It's this person called Jesus. He explained the Bible, and as he explained it, I can't put it in the words. I say this, I don't care what anyone says. Give me the time. What the t- what's the time now? Someone give me the time. What date is it? What? 1141 at 8th of March. I still say it is this day. I don't care what anyone says. As he read this book and said those words, it was like the Bible was alive. It was like what he read and said, it, it, it spoke to me and it spoke about my life. I phoned my mates up in the morning and I said, Nick, Paul, I can't get my head around it. I said, I've just been with these Christians. I just read this Bible and it just made sense of everything, everything about my life and about what I do, and the money I've made, and trying to fill it with things in that. I went to church a few times, I was still drinking, I'm still doing drugs, um, 
different people preaching and hearing it, going back and forth. And I was out one morning and I'd been doing uh, drugs. I came in in the morning because I've been doing this. You, you probably don't do what I do. I've been, wrote, I've been writing lists on the wall of what I'm going to stop doing. Does everyone do that? Like, make a, as a, like Christians, I'm talking, we make lists of things that we want to do because we want to get there uh, as Christians and grow. I'm going to stop drinking here. I'm going to stop going out here. I'm going to stop doing this. One, two, three, four. And every single year I put dates in this list and I kept them absolutely free-falling past this list. Ching! But it's still the same. And don't forget, at one point, I would, after Bible study, I'd fell on my knees and said, please God, please God, change me, change me, change me. Jumped up and waited for a eureka moment. But I was still Jay. One morning I come in and I was still Jay. I remember seeing my wife's eyes and she's really gracious with me. She always just put up with me. And I said these words. I said like, and I was really, I was emotional. I was like, how do you expect me to do this Christian thing? I ain't grown up in a Christian home. I'm not like all them other uh, Christians. Like, I've got a good background. I said, I'm Jay Mariner. I said, the street life. I said, it's who I am. I said, how does, how does God expect me to do this thing, what the Bible calls me to do? I can't do it. And as I said those words, not audible, I just heard God in my head and my heart say this. He said, like, he said, you can't do it, you muppet, because Jesus Christ has already done it. And when I, God said that to me in my heart, you can't do it. Your lists don't work. Christ has already done it. A penny drop, bang, the gospel. I, um, I, from there, I um, met an individual, John, faithful guy, um, old guy, he's gone to glory now. He kept him reading, the, uh, reading the Bible to me. Um, and he said these words to me, always remember this, Jay, the way you win them is the way you keep them. So I came to faith through a good, faithful Bible teaching and preaching. That was it. It wasn't no magic ingredient. It wasn't no, uh, a, a huge mega church. It wasn't a massive worship. It was just, just faithful Bible teaching and preaching. I was on a train up here, going, uh, coming up here this morning, young guy reading the Bible to me. I challenged him on purpose. We had a good conversation. Why? Because he's at a church and they're not teaching the Bible faithfully to him. So we had a good um, conversation around Colossians, about Bible handling skills, and just if, we, if, we, if the Bible is taught and preached faithfully, God just walks up to a page and changes their life. And that's what he's done to my life. I've spoken to a few individuals today. Why are you at the church? He said, because of Bible teaching. What do you say? Why are you here? Faithful Bible teaching. Someone else said it to me. Who else said that to me today? Put it out. Faithful Bible teaching. So I came to faith and I thought to myself, I come from a background where my community is decimated. There is no, con- there is no uh, context of family. Our, boys, our black boys are free falling from the criminal justice system. Knife crimes are um, high. 
If anything's going to change it, I was with the Mayor of London in his office last Friday. That ain't going to change it. It's helpful, but that ain't going to change it. If anything's going to change it, it's Jesus. Because programs and initiatives, organisations don't change things, but it's a spiritual change. So I said to my wife one day, I want to go back into Brixton and plant a church. I want, I, I want people to experience and know Jesus the way that he's changed my life and I've seen him change the way our family. The gospel has radically changed the way that I love my wife, the way that I raise my children, the way I interact with people. And we went into Brixton um, probably about eight years ago as a family and we planted a church with the motto, motto, the way you win them is the way you keep them. And we just taught the Bible faithfully and we preached it. And amazingly, God just, God just grew this thing called a church. It just grew a church of believers and um, a couple of church family. And that church now has merged with a church of, uh, called Stockwell Baptist Church. We were meeting today. Um, it's really exciting to see what's happening there. So in my story, I probably, I'm really taken by how good and glorious and how graceful God is. Um, I said to my wife, I wasn't going to say this this morning, I said, praise God um, that he's held me. Because of, I probably, and I'm not just saying this now, I probably still love Jesus as much as I do now as when he saved me. I'm still moved with compassion and tears as just much when I first come to faith. What? Jail like he was, saved from hell, a sinner, drug dealer, saved to heaven for his glory. One day with thousands of people just looking at this person, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and worshipping him and saying, right, I can't, what are you doing here, rude boy? I can't believe, I can't believe you're here. What are you doing here? How come you're here? Ah, snap. We're all here because of we have a really graceful father. And guess what? Jesus is glorious. He died for me. And guess what, my friend? He died for you. And I get to go around telling people about not my story, my testimony really about how good and gracious God is. And did I believe this? Is Christianity is God? Nah. If you spoke to any of my non-Christian friends right now, they would say to you, if there's any individual on this earth, out of all the boys, who was, uh, out of any individual, Jay Mariner, who was a madness, who was a leader crew, who was so anti-religion, anti-Christianity, is any one of them you'd expect, you'd put your money on, and not becoming a Christian, it would be Jay. You know, I'm telling people about, about Jesus. Let me, let me read first. Um, Romans chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. For I am not 
ashamed of the gospel. For in it, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous to live by faith. Uh, let me pray first because you want to hear, uh, not for me, but what God wants. Uh, so, Father God, um, I ask, uh, Father, we pray that you would speak today. That uh, by your gl- for your glory and for uh, your for your glory and by your will that you'd have your way, speak and move, and we want to hear you speak. Amen. Well, uh, I want us to look at um, what uh, the Bible says, because do you know what I uh, said about uh, reading the Bible, and it was like it was uh, alive. That's where, that's where, that's where it all started. To be honest, see, we can think that this uh, thing called the Bible or Christianity is um, uh, the Bible is just an ancient book um, full of um, loads of disconnected stories with moral implications. But it's so not like that. The Bible is. Uh, the Word of God. It's what radically, radically changed my life. See, the Bible is all about God telling us what's wrong with the world. Why is this world so broken? It tells us what, what God has, what he's done to solve the problem with people, what he's done to fix things. And it tells us what, what, what God is going to do at the, at the end of time. What's the conclusion? What are you going to do with people? See, our verses, which I've just read, cover the account of what God has done to, what he's done to solve the problem with the human race of people. That's called the gospel. See, the gospel changes everything. The gospel it turns things upside down and inside out. See, today I want us to briefly look at look at the nature of the gospel and the power of the gospel and its content. What is it? Its nature. What is this? What's this gospel thing about? Its power. What does it do? And this content, what's in it? See, to understand the nature of the gospel, we need to ask the question, what is it? What's the gospel? See, the word gospel, uh, in its original, it's, it means the, the, an evangel. It's, it's to announce. It's to tell good news. See, the gospel is a, an announcement. It's a bit like a, a, a general of a, an army. He's having a, he's a battle um, and he's won. <laughs> we, we've won this battle and he sends his, his herald. He sends his uh, messenger to announce uh, uh, we've won. He runs back to the village and he says, there's good news. I need a herald. I need to announce 
the good news that the victory has been won. Let me tell you uh, the news. See, the Christian message at its heart is news. It's news about what God is um, doing and has already done. See, this is why the Christian message is just so different from any other religion because it's not good advice, it's good news. It's good news. See, the nature of the gospel is is news, but guess what? It's powerful news. Let me read verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, everyone who who believes. Do you see that, what Paul is saying, the, the writer of this letter? He's saying, really interesting, look, the gospel, he's saying, it's, it doesn't result in the power of God, and it's not the means of the power of God, but he says this gospel is the power of God. See, when we hear uh, the gospel preach. When we hear small group Bible study during a week or a Christian sharing a Christian message, when we come to hand understand its propositions, its implications, the meaning of the text, it's then when we grasp that, we experience, like I did in that room, the power of the gospel. It is when I, I grasped it, snap. I get it. Boom. It's powerful. I can't get it. See, can I say, if you wanna if you wanna know if God has uh, brought you here this morning, has God brought me here this morning? What's this thing called church? Or if God is real, then you need to ask yourself the question when this Christian message is shared. Or when I stood up saying about my testimony, what God has done, did you find it uh, 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 offensive? Does it, um, does it rub you up the wrong way? Does it, the Christian man, does it like it, it get underneath your skin? Does it make you feel a little bit uncomfortable at times sharing about this? person called Jesus does it if the answer is yes guess what great (laughs) good I say this because everyone who understands the gospel this Christian message at some point you will find it a little bit offensive see if you haven't really to understand the gospel the Christian message it's going to rub you up the wrong way. It's going to feel a little bit offensive. It's going to uh, niggle you a little bit. See, to know the power of the gospel, you've got to, you've got to wrestle with it. You've got to struggle with it. You've got to be burdened with its implications, what it's saying. It's life-changing implications. See, the gospel, the power of the gospel, it's so unique. It's, 
totally on its own. And it's like my life in many Christians in it. It totally contradicts everything that we've been led to believe and think. See, I don't want to offend you, but I hope that something that I've said this morning, and even now as I speak, it's just a little bit like, it's just a little bit irritating. See, I say this because, do you, do you grasp why Jesus really came? What the Christian message is about? Why it's powerful? What he's powerful over? Can I tell you? It's this thing called uh, sin and death. See, the reason that I'm here this morning, the crux of it, it's because it says, the Bible says is that we've all inherited this thing called sin. Meaning is that we all have lived lives where uh, we've excluded for God from our lives. Where God is uh, pushed to the side. It's why it is, in the letter I read, all of sin fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, I don't know Jesus, at some point, like my life, have, have missed God's mark. See, sin is that, is that when we, we reject God and his authority over us. That's why the Bible goes on to say, and that's why it was snapped for me in that room, the wages of sin is death. There's a consequence of turning our back on God. There has to be. See, Jesus Christ, really important here, he came to save us, not from uh, a physical death. I've, not long ago, buried my mum. He's not come to save us from uh, physical death, but he's came to save us from this real event, what the Bible calls the second death, the spiritual death. What we all experience. That eternal and rightful separation of a sinful self from a holy God. That's what he's came to save us from. See, the Bible teaches, why did we plant books in local church? Because the Bible teaches those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ will be rightly judged eternally in that place. It's called hell when I come. That's why we planted. However, the good news, the evangel, the announcement is that Jesus the Christ, which means the anointed one, the Bible calls him the king, God's saving king, that when he began his public ministry on earth, he said these words in the Bible, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the good news. Guess what he said? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. And that was just Jesus, that when he innocently died on the cross, and he took the awful weight of sin in himself, that sentence of death was, was pronounced on us, uh, fell upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
See, Jesus died. He died for us. I was moved to tears still about 10 minutes ago because he died for me. And guess what? The same Jesus, he died for you. But the story doesn't finish there. The Bible says that, is that Jesus, he, he rose from the grave. See, Jesus, the risen Jesus, is God's way of saying, is what Jesus said about who he is and what he came to do, it's true. It's the receipt. It's been rubber stamped. He is the saviour of the world. He can change lives. Let me show you. The gospel is true. Therefore, if you hear uh, this morning, and uh, I don't know, you, you, you've been to church before, it may have been uh, a wedding or a funeral, you've been um, to this church before, every now and then you pop in, you may have been to uh, a Bible study before, and you're trying to get your head around this thing called Christianity, like uh, my um, young man on the tube today who says, I'm reading the Bible, but I just don't feel like I know this God person. If this is you, then you need to ask yourself the question, what does God uh, expect you to do with uh, uh, Jay's testimony, his story, what he shared today, and uh, the text and what he's saying now? What do, I, what do I meant to do with it? This message about God saving uh, through Jesus. What do I meant to do? How do I react uh, with it internationally? How do I engage with it emotionally? What do I need to do practically? Like some of these people in this place to do, must have done. What do I do with this news? Where do I take it? See... The Bible says that God expects us to uh, respond with this thing called uh, repentance. Marcus said about it earlier on. But then to walk in faith. See, to repent of our, uh, our godless behaviour, to push or pushing God aside, is to turn, turn around and go the other way to to make a conscious decision, rational, uh, to put our faith in God. It's not doing what Jay did, of saying, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this. But what does it look like to uh, fall down in one knees and say, God, I, I don't really know how it all works out. I don't know. It's, it, it's so profound. I don't get it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. See, the Bible calls us to repent and say sorry. See, repentance doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean an immediate change to our lives as Christians. Because we still blow it. We still get it wrong. But it means this, that we're not comfortable of trying to live a life outside of what God wants for our lives. And faith is that, is that thing of saying, like, I don't get it, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, God, for who you are and through what you say in the Bible. See, 
It's faith in, in, in the risen Lord Jesus Christ what saves us uh, from God's judgment. See, if God is going to ever count us to be being right, uh, righteous, a word we'll look at in a minute, then it's got to be on the basis of someone else's record. Uh, someone else's perfect record. See, when Jesus traded places with us, all our sins were accredited to him and his right, perfect life was credited uh, to us. See, it's this righteousness, God's righteousness, which is the content of the gospel. Let me read this, uh, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, and righteousness that is by faith. Simply, the perfect life uh, that Jesus lived is applied uh, to our lives. His perfect righteous life becomes our perfect righteous life. Do we blow it? Yeah. Do I get it wrong? Yeah. Do I sometimes shout at my kids when I'm tired and grumpy and I get up? Yeah, be quiet. Does God love that? No. But does, but does he look at me, God, and still love me? No. He's been saved. He's growing. Yeah, he's, he's, he's clothed in God's righteousness. See, what Paul is saying is, in these verses is that when we accept Jesus, when we bow our knee, humble ourselves, when we make an, a conscious effort to know him, to grow in him, it's that's when we receive the, the righteousness of God. We, we receive God's forgiveness. And in so, God looks at us and despite our going it alone, despite our faults, and despite everything that we've done, God changes his opinion of us. And instead of one which is uh, one of judgment, it's where his heavenly father looks at us and he loves us. See, coming to know Jesus is where he, God's son Jesus, he comes and sticks his highest medal of honour on your chest. See, if you've come to know Jesus and you're sitting here with an individual who calls themselves a Christian despite what they think, if they've blown it this week or even today, they are still sitting here, covered in all Jesus' medals. They've been passed. Jesus has gone to his trophy cabinet and he's passing all his trophies. They're my, they're my trophies. I've won them on the cross, but they're your trophies. He's got them and he's passing them with all of Jesus' medals. I love you and I want to stick uh, my ribbons on you. He uh, loves him in a way that you cannot describe. Why? 
because they're right with God. And remember, this is because of nothing that they've done. And to grow in your faith with Jesus, it will be because of nothing that any of you can do have done. It's because of this, when I sat in that seat and I was trying and God said to me, guess what, Jason Mariner, you can't do it because of who has already done it? Who has already done it? Because Christ has already done it. And can I say, for those who love Jesus and know Jesus, is that the same experience for you? Christ has already done it. And isn't it a glorious finish? It's already done it. The gospel is, I can't put into words how good and glorious the gospel is. If you don't know Jesus, don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. And he will, he just does, he will turn your life upside down and he will turn your life inside out. And it is so glorious. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, Thank you for the cross. Uh, Father, what a picture of how much you love us and adore us. The cross of sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die to sin, uh, to win us, to redeem us, to call us back into relationship with you. So, Father, we... Father, now I just pray for anyone who doesn't know you today. Pray, Father, that they will see that today it isn't at all about J. Mariner, but it's about Jesus Christ, about what you have done in, in Jay's life. And it's what you're doing in all our lives, if we just quiet to you. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus and Jesus speak and move and, and, and just have your way because it's so good and glorious. Amen.